It's time to eat. Get in my belly! Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. And I love it. You guys love it. I am Ross Tucker, the former NFL offensive lineman that enjoys the fantasy game. He's the best in the business. I mean, you follow him on Twitter. You see all the different independent sources that will tell you that his predictions are the best. He's Evan Silva, at Evan Silva on Twitter. Really hope you guys are already following him. You should be. And appreciate when you retweet when Evan posts the show. We're presented by BetOnline.ag, the online gaming website of choice for the Fantasy Feast podcast with the best odds and the fastest payouts. Just use code BIGFEAST to get that 50% welcome bonus, which is legit. By the way, Evan, big news, man. We've got some giveaways. I've talked to the folks over at MFL10. We got some giveaways to give out, some free entries into some free leagues. So we'll get some leagues, Evan, that people can play, some drafts that people can play against us coming up here in May, June, July. We'll also have some bigger giveaways, MFL 25, 50, 100, et cetera. But for right now, every week we will give out a new free MFL 10 giveaway. So it's a free 10 bucks. And the chance to win whatever it is, 110 bucks. All you have to do is sign up over at betonline.ag. It's that easy. Just sign up at betonline.ag, use the code BIGFEAST to get your welcome bonus, and then forward it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and say, I want the free MFL giveaway, Ross. Boom. We'll announce somebody every week. It is that easy. Very excited, by the way about today's guest. Evan is a big fan. Evan said, yo, we got to get this guy on. He's Eric Olson. He is a former Northwestern offensive lineman. Look, I don't want to steal his thunder, right? I love his Twitter handle, at IPlayD1. And uh, I guess without further ado, why don't we talk to him about his background and his Twitter handle. Next meal. Next meal. Very, very excited to talk with you, Eric. Appreciate the time. I mean, you had me at your Twitter handle, at IPlayedD1. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could have gone with your Twitter handle. What? Talk to me, talk to me about going with IPlayedD1. I wanted to make sure that, you know, if I'm ever given football critique, critiques on Twitter, that I can't get any of the people out there saying, did, did this guy play or not? You know, I know that's, that's the thing that most people come at journalists. I'm sure you get that. A little bit, a little bit, Evan, but uh, I wanted to make sure there was no doubt about that. No, I think that's that's a good point. So tell me again, give me your background, right? So where are you from? I know you went to Northwestern and and you played. What years were you there? Uh, you know your academic background. I like to know the the lowdown. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm from the Boston area originally. Um, I grew up in Sudbury. It's like a suburb about 30 minutes west of the city. I went to a private school uh, in Cambridge, right next to Harvard. Um, ended up going to Northwestern, had a few offers coming out of high school uh, in 2012. Graduated undergrad in 2016. 
I uh, started my first game my redshirt sophomore year, so my academic junior year, uh, and I started 34 games. Then going through my redshirt junior year to my redshirt or my redshirt sophomore year through my redshirt senior year, uh, played right tackle for us. I studied uh, organizational change uh, undergrad, and then in my fifth year, I got my master's in predictive analytics. What is organizational change? Um, it's basically the closest thing that Northwestern had to an undergrad business major. Uh, they don't have an undergrad business school, so it's you know the study of organizations, how they change, how people function within them. Uh, basically, just like you know basic management theories, like do that. All right, and then as a player, how how many games did you start? Dude, that's a lot. I think it was thirty-four. And to be honest, when I first started, I wasn't really ready to start. Our uh, our O line was uh, not doing so hot. And we kind of had an open competition, and I won it just by working hard in the offseason. And I weighed about 265, 270 when I first started my game. When I started my first game, and I went out there a little bit overmatched, a little bit over my head, but tried to find a way to make it work. Wow, man. Um, and so then what about, um, what about the master's degree, predictive analytics? What was your goal when you got that? Yeah, so like I said, I did organizational studies um, undergrad, and it's it's very like qualitative. You know, you're doing you're doing stuff with teams, you're doing group projects. Uh, so there wasn't a lot of numbers behind it. I knew I was interested in numbers. I knew I was pretty decent at it, and I really wanted to have some sort of uh, background of that coming out of college, just to give me more options of what I wanted to do. And obviously, it's something that's that's booming right now in every industry, especially sports. Um, and I was able to do a one-year master's program through because I was a fifth year on the football team. They actually pay for one year of graduate studies if you're granted that fifth year. So I found a one-year uh, master's of science program. Um, wasn't sure if I was qualified to get in by some shred of luck. I don't really know why. They let me in. It was really freaking hard uh, doing that and playing football and you know teaching myself how to code, teaching myself the, the various languages and Understanding what I was doing, it was not the easiest thing in the world, but uh, it was very worth it. And it was—it's looking back on it. I didn't know—I don't know if I liked it when I was doing it, but looking back on it, it was—it was pretty cool stuff. So, okay, so did you uh, did you did you try to get a shot in the league at all? Um, so when I finished, when I was a fifth-year senior, I had a bunch of injuries. Um, I had to get two elbow surgeries. I had an ankle surgery, um, and I probably was a, a fringe guy anyway. Like I said, I, I wasn't. You know, I, I was a good, not great alignment. I used more of my, my head than my body. And I, I figured out ways to, to make it work rather than just, like, overpowering dudes. I was never the strongest guy in the world. I never was the biggest guy. Um, I, I was more out there because, you know, they could trust me to, to go where they wanted me to go. They, I would go where they wanted me to go. And I, between injuries and just being a guy that was kind of on the fringe anyway, I had obviously interest outside of football. Um, I decided not to give it a shot. Um, looking back on it, you know, maybe do I wish that I, that I push myself to rehab and do a pro day, at least to say that I did. Sure. But I mean, it's easy to say that when you're a year and a half out now, I was pretty, pretty ready to not weigh 315 pounds anymore. <laughs> what are you down to now? I'm like 260. So dude, that's right where I am. So what, what about, so predictive analytics is a lot of coding and stuff like that. It's not like the, the whole it's that's a part of it you, you have to uh, know understand basic like coding language in order to get the models to run it's not like you're taking the computer science class where that's everything 
I'd, I'd argue that it's much more important to understand the bigger picture, understand what you're trying to get out of the data, what variables you're going to use. That's more like the kind of the creative aspect, honestly, is more important. But you have to have like a baseline of computer science understanding to then get, you know, these programs to spit out the information that you're looking for. All right. So what do you want to do with it? I mean, you got it. You obviously, uh, I guess there's two different things. Number one is what's, do you have like a day job? Yeah, I do. So potentially again, regrettably, I, I, I'm not really using analytics right now in my job. I'm more using my, um, organizational studies degree. So I work for a consulting firm and I won't, I won't bore you guys with details, but basically I help manage our company's relationships with clients and I help them like scope out projects, figure out what their pain points projects are, and then deliver them a solution to you know help optimize whatever it is they're going through. So as of my role right now, I'm really not using too much numbers that that might change. But um, so right now, nothing is the answer to that question. But I'm getting more, you know, back more interested in now. That I'm a little removed from it, so we'll see where it takes me. What about um, on on the predictive analytics side? The numbers you obviously got on Evan's radar somehow. How did you do that, and <laughs> what are you trying to do in the in the fantasy football predictive analytics world? <laughs> yeah, so I wish I had some some really sweet model to come bring you guys that I ran. You know, tells you exactly who you should be drafting the winner, but I, unfortunately, I don't. Um, See, so yeah, I've always been interested. Plenty of time for that, man. Me. Plenty of time for that. Say it again. I said, plenty of time for that. Like, with the, we're, we're still a ways. You know, start thinking about it, Eric. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I've always been interested in, you know, sports media, talking about sports, writing about sports. And once I've kind of gotten my feet under me at work a little bit, and I feel comfortable here, I, I started just, just writing. Uh, I was just writing, you know, various breakdowns. I think you guys saw a few of the articles I wrote. And then I, I made this uh, – kind of alter ego online Twitter personality, you know, honestly only a few weeks ago started promoting my stuff. I got picked up by a website, the guys over at sports gambling podcast. Uh, they published a few of my articles and I, I just started kind of tweeting to people that, that I had followed myself and that I was interested in connecting with them for whatever reason, lucky enough, I responded, thought the article was interesting. Looked into some of my background, um, thought, thought, thought it was interesting. So that's kind of how I ended up here. And to be honest, I don't have any, uh, Real, real plans and direction of where I want to take this thing, but I mean, I, I love doing this type of stuff. You know, talking shop, talking about sports. So we'll, we'll see where uh, we'll see where it takes me. Evan, let's let's see where it takes him on this show today. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to ask him one more background question. So I knew he was a basketball player originally because I, I mean, I stalked him online. I googled him. You know, I read his bio. I read all his blog posts. I mean, he's got like nine or ten blog posts at this point. Um, some of them are really interesting, especially the one I thought about Quentin Nelson. Uh, but I wanted to ask about your background in in hoops, Eric. Uh, you know, how did you how did you become a football player? Yeah, so kind of an interesting story. I I didn't play football with myself when I was in high school, uh, and I was basketball all the way through. Um, I was a pretty good basketball player. I mean, I'm a six five center forward, so I wasn't. Wasn't going to be playing at, you know, Duke, Kentucky, whatever, but I, I probably had aspirations to play maybe like in an Ivy League or something. Uh, and that's really actually why I transferred to private school. Um, in New England, it's it's pretty commonplace. If you're trying to get recruited for sports to go to private school, there's a huge uh, private school scene up there. And I transferred in, and it was it's a tough academic school, and basically they told me that 
I had a better chance of getting in if I also said I was playing football, and I reluctantly agreed. Uh, and within one year of playing, I had a bunch of scholarship offers. Uh, but yeah, my background in hoops, I, I you know did the whole AAU thing. I actually played on the same uh, AAU team as Pat Connaughton, uh, Notre Dame, Portland Trailblazers forward guard. Um, played against you know a bunch of bunch of guys in the NBA. A little fun fact: I'm actually on a Maryland Noel, who was the number one player in high school when I was in high school, number four pick. I think about a six years, I'm on his highlight tape like four times, getting my shot thrown <laughs> into the bleachers. <laughs> That's awesome. And when he uh, even funnier when he committed on ESPN. I don't know if you remember this. He did the uh, the UK uh, shaved into the back of his head on ESPN when he committed to Kentucky, and I was on like the four play clip of uh, that they kept showing on a loop. So I got a bunch of texts saying that I was on Sports Center, but not quite the way I wanted to be. <laughs> that's, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's awesome. Because uh, you were like a three-point shooter. You weren't – but you, you had like a low post game, but you were a three-point shooter, right? Yeah, I, I like to say I played like soft Kevin Love. Not this new, you know, prissy, skinny Kevin Love. I played like – I played, either was in the post or I was shooting threes. There wasn't much in mm-hmm. between. That's that. Those are high efficiency shots, layups and threes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Why bother with anything else? Right. Um, awesome. Awesome. So, um, you wrote a piece about Quentin Nelson. Uh, he's obviously, you know, I mean, I think that everyone who has seen him play is like, my goodness gracious, this guy was a dominant player at one of the highest levels of, of college football, and. Um, what, but what really stood out to you about Quentin Nelson? And are there any areas that you think he actually has room for improvement? Yeah, so first, I uh, pretty funny. I was, I was on Twitter last night, and I saw my, uh, the posting of the article got liked by somebody with the last name Nelson as well. And I went to see who it was. Quentin Nelson's dad actually picked up my article and was, was posting it on his Twitter feed. So I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. I, I don't know. But uh yeah, he he's pretty special. I mean, anybody who knows anything about football can watch his tape, and the first thing that jumps out to you is just just how incredibly aggressive he is finishing people. Uh, I mean, it's I've never seen truly anything like it at that high level of football of being able to just control blocks from the start of the play to the end of the play and finishing a guy into the ground so consistently. Um, but what I wrote about in the piece and what I think makes him so special is that he does that and combines it with really, really, really exceptional technique. Um, you know, it, it's it's so much. It's only so much to be aggressive as an O-lineman, you know. When people think about the position, I think there's a bit of a – they're a little bit wrong in the, in the traditional thinking of it, that, you know, you have to just be this, this bull-like aggressive at all times, but that, that really isn't the case. I know, Ross, I'm sure you know. If you just come out like a bull to China shop on every play, you're going to get thrown into the ground. You're going to get swung by. You need to combine that aggressiveness with patience and technique and then when the time is right, you know, once you have control of that block, that's when, you know, that aggressiveness kicks in. And I think he does an incredible job of towing that line, of, you know, using good technique. And then once he has control of the block, just being, being a badass, for lack of a better term, and throwing dudes into the ground. Um, but by the same token, if there is something I think he could get better at, you know, he probably is over-aggressive sometime. That's probably going to get him beat a few times early in his career by guys who are really just technicians and are going to swim by him when he ducks his head or whatnot. But I'm sure you'll agree with me. Give me a guy who, who leans on that side of the line other than the other side any day of the week. I love asking O-linemen questions about football because, number one, they're really <laughs> smart. 
This is my yeah, way. This is how I kiss up guys to in the field, Raj. Come on. Yeah, but no, but first of all, they are really they're like the smartest position, maybe beyond quarterback, or they're right there with quarterback. But I also like to get their opinions about other players, or maybe player other players that they work in unison with. Like I've always wondered, you know, what is a, a, a an offensive lineman's perspective on uh, <clears throat> a quarterback that is a running quarterback? You didn't necessarily play with that. You had Simeon early on, I know. Um, Trevor so Simeon, of course, now with the Vikings. King Coulter was yeah. uh, King Coulter was the quarterback for. Uh, for and one King of the years Coulter, oh yeah, he he was an athletic dude because they wanted him at wideout in in the NFL. Right. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question because it's really a double-edged sword. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes they make you right. You know, you get beat and they just make an awesome move on the on the DM that's coming running in and it's the greatest thing going. And by the same token, they can screw you over. You know, if they, they run out of the pocket when you're blocking a guy, sometimes you did your job, but now the guy's just standing right there to make that. So it really is a double-edged sword. It can be awesome if they're efficient and smart about it. It really helps the linemen. If they're pretty haphazard about it and they're just running around at will, it can really screw over alignment. So that's, I'd say it's, it, it definitely goes both ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so the one knock, if there is one knock on Saquon Barkley, is that he's not like a physical um, interior runner who maximizes everything that he's given in between or sometimes that he, he'll bounce runs outside. You know, just that he's not – he doesn't run in between the tackles like Ezekiel Elliott does. Okay, I think that his game sure. is probably a little closer to, like, David Johnson slash even LaShawn McCoy. Um, and, like, the Penn State coaches kind of – it seemed like they knew that because from watching him, I mean, they always had him out on the edges. They were so good about getting him on the perimeter. But I would say that if there was one weakness to his game, maybe it's that he's just not – a super physical power back. And maybe that actually is a good thing because then he's not running into as many collisions and maybe his injury, you know, percentage injury probability would drop either way. You know, there's a lot of different ways that you can spin that, but playing with a bat, like being an offensive lineman and blocking for a back like Saquon Barkley, what do you think that that would be like after watching him play and just, you know, just talk about Saquon Barkley. Yeah, so first of all, funny you say LaShawn McCoy. I don't know if it was, I forget where I saw it on Twitter, but I saw that he was referred to by a scout as a thick, thick Shady McCoy. So I think that's a, I think that's a compliment. Uh, I think it's pretty apt, too, honestly. But yeah, so I wrote a piece on, on Saquon as well. Um, and I, mean, I think he's, I think there are two generational talents in the draft. I think it's Quentin Nelson and Saquon Barkley. Um, and I would counteract with what you're saying about his weakness running the tackles that, he didn't really have much of a chance to at Penn State. His O-line was pretty subpar his whole time there. Uh, in addition, that's not really they, – they run a, a zone read offense. So it's not really what he was asked to do too much. Um, and given – you know, I, I told a story at the beginning of the blog uh, about a play. We were playing Ohio State, uh, and they had played Penn State the week before. Uh, and people were just starting to kind of get to know Saquon Barkley. I obviously knew he was, but he was a sophomore year, so he hadn't quite you know, exploded onto the scene. And we were watching. We watched the film. The first play we were watching, and it was a it was a simple zone read, and his left tackle just got smoked off the ball, and, and he had no choice but just to bounce it outside, outran a linebacker who should have tackled him for a two three yard loss, took it for twenty yards in the secondary, and our old line coach turned to us and said, "This is the best player in college football," 
And, and I think the reason why I said that is, is like you're saying, the best thing a back can do for an alignment is make him right. You know, make up for one of his mistakes. If he's, if he's blocking a guy in a certain direction, cutting off him in that direction, going where the O-line gives him a chance to go. And if you don't give him a chance to go anywhere, then if he can still make you right and gain positive yards, that's somebody who's really special. And I think that Saquon Barkley did that time and time again at Penn State. He has some, I know you guys have seen him, some pretty freaking incredible runs where the play looks to be broken down a lot of times because of bad line play, and he'll take the thing for 60 yards. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask you about another back, staying on the topic of running backs, Justin Jackson, who is seen as like a day three draft pick. Um, but that was your running back at Northwestern. What do you think about his prospects in the NFL? Yeah. Um, I, I said this when I was talking to you before, Evan. I, Justin Jackson is the best run, best player I've ever played with. Um, I think whatever team takes him is going to be so pleasantly surprised. I mean, the guy has produced since the second he stepped on the field for us. Um, he's been durable. He's never missed any time. Uh, he's had one of the highest workloads in the country over the last four years. He catches the ball well, he blocks, and he is a tough son of a bitch. Um, I respect him more than anybody I've ever played with. He comes to every game with an attitude that he is going to do every single thing he can to help us win. Um, and, and it's just it, it was infectious as, as a teammate. And he did some things, too, like I was saying with Saquon, where you know I'd mess up, I'd, I'd whiff on a guy, and he'd make me right time and time again. And, as an alignment, that's just that's the best thing you can do as a running back. And I know everybody in our room just loves Justin and loves playing with them. So I think whatever team takes him, I think they're going to be happy. The only knock on him was was going to be a straight line speed, and he went to the combine and ran a 4-5 flat. And I think that kind of dispelled a little bit of those rumors, and I, I think he's going to be a productive player in the NFL. Excellent. Love to hear it. And he's a guy who I think I'll be looking at to get uh, maybe on some of my dynasty teams after uh, watching him and uh, talking to you about him. I I think that he's going to make it in the league. Uh, So I wanted to ask you a couple more questions because I know that you have played daily fantasy before. Um, I would assume when you were, you know, playing at uh, playing ball at Northwestern, um, what, what was your approach on a weekly basis to playing uh, daily fantasy? And are there any takeaways that you had from, from just playing over the past few years? Yeah, well, of course I didn't play at my time at Northwestern because that'd be a, an NCAA violation. Uh, sorry, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I I'm honestly probably a bigger uh, in the past year a bigger sports better than I am a DFS player, and the best thing for me has been to kind of take that same mindset to DFS. You know, I love to be a contrarian better uh, to find value in places the public isn't looking. So I guess to just to kind of like sum it up, it's just contrarian without being stupid. You know, every single week the the team the the, the Browns are technically you know a quote unquote sharp contrarian play. That doesn't mean you're going to take the Browns because mm-hmm. you got to use a little bit of common sense and a little bit of eye test. So you know, using that same mindset, finding somewhere that the public isn't, and then using Vegas as kind of a a barometer to help you make those choices. You know, look at player props. You know, Vegas doesn't have any skin in the game. They're trying to set the line where they think it's going to, where they think it's going to land, where they have the least amount of risk. So maybe if you see a, a player prop that's a little bit inflated, you know, it doesn't quite make sense to you. Maybe that's a guy you look at. And then if you can couple that with you know a low ownership rate and somebody who the public isn't quite looking at, then, then even better. So using the, using a nice mix of of contrarian and you 
know, just general intuition and eye test. Awesome, man. Thank, thanks so much for coming on the show, Eric. Maybe we could do it again down the line. And uh, we, we I, I wish you the best of luck uh, as you put together your blog and, um, you know, just kind of figure out your direction post-college. Awesome. I, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have me on today. Uh, it's been really fun. And, yeah, best luck to you guys as well. Eric, I'm not done with you yet. I got one more. You ready? <laughs> I'm ready. All right. I was let, I was letting Evan do his thing for a while there. Um, by yeah. the way, Eric, I thought, like, as of 10th grade, I probably thought I would have been a uh, a college basketball player, too. I, I really? My senior year of high school, I brought the ball up at, like, six. Well, by senior year, I knew I wasn't going to be playing basketball, but I was, like, Six four and a half, two fifty, and I probably brought the ball up like half the time, and I think I had like twenty four threes, because um, I was a real late bloomer. So I sucked yeah. down low. Like they would be like, "Dude, right. you're huge, go down low," and like a six foot kid <laughs> would like swap my stuff. I was like, "No, no, no, let me bring the big stiff out here and uh, drain a three over him or, or go by him." But that's it's really funny because. Um, Actually, my freshman year, um, I played defensive end at Princeton. And we had, uh, after the season, we always would have this, like, basketball tournament by position. And the D-line won after my freshman year. And, you know, I was, you know, I had played summer basketball and stuff. So, I, you know, I was a big reason for that. Um, And when they went to move me to O-line after I got a keg of yingling every night and went to the diner at 2 a.m. during winter break... (laughs) Um, they were like, uh, they were like, you know, how, how good do you think the O linemen are at, at Michigan are at basketball? You know, you know, they're as good as you are. I'm like, nah, I doubt that. And, uh, it's funny cause they were right. Like that's the type of athletes, like all those guys, like I ended up playing with John Jansen and he was yeah. like a six, six oh, yeah. shooting guard in high school. So people don't realize that a lot of times the guys that are, D1 or NFL O-linemen, like, they all played, like, D-line or tight end in football or, like, basketball, and they weren't just low-post guys. They were, like, wings, you know, guys that can actually really move. People underestimate O-linemen, guys. I mean, I'm telling you, they're smart and they're athletic. I love, you know... Evan knows who the Evan knows who the host of the show is. Evan's Evan's no dummy. I like it. Hey, I will ask this though, Eric. I am curious. Like, so your stuff on Barkley's awesome. Your stuff on Quentin Nelson's awesome. How are you looking to incorporate the predictive analytics stuff into your into your football um, breakdowns? Uh, that's a great question. I uh, I definitely need need to do that. And, and like I kind of said before, I, I wish I could have came on and with some real cool model that I that I built and predicting you know player outputs or, or team team outputs or whatever it is. But I, I don't have that now. But you know, getting back into this stuff is kind of inspiring me to, to, to look back at it. So we'll see. I, I don't have a, a great answer for you. I wish I did, but uh, it definitely is something that I want to look into. Awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, you'll figure it out. You're you're just kind of getting started with everything. Well, we appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm glad you're getting some love on Twitter. I enjoy the, uh, the stories. I enjoy anybody that starts out doing stuff, you know, for free or whatever to try to, to try to get it going. That's what it's all about. Um, that's even how I, you know, I started, even though I was in the league, I, I didn't do it for free, but I drove a long way for like 50 bucks. So, 
It might yeah, as well, as much as gas was back then. It might as well have been for free. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, Ross, I have one more thing for you actually. So one of my uh, one of my best friends from high school is actually the captain of the uh, the Penn football team uh, in 2015. And one, he wanted to tell me to tell you go Quakers, and two, he wanted me to ask you about Justin Watson. Apparently, you had some uh, some good things to say about him. Yeah, who, who's the, who was the captain? Who are you talking about? Uh, his name is Dan Connaughton. He was a D tackle. Oh form. yeah, yeah, was, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I remember Dan. Like uh, number oh, yeah, fifty-six, he, maybe. Number fifty-six. He's, yeah, he's one of my best buddies from high school. Dude, see that—that's what's disturbing to me right there. Okay, like. There is no freaking way I need to know Dan Connor's jersey number in my brain <laughs> right, right now. I cannot believe you just. You know what out. I mean? Like, can, like what the hell is going on with our brains that that is still in <laughs> there? The and I can't remember you. like what my wife asked me to do this morning on her text message, and she's mad at me. Like, how do I remember Dan Connor's? Uh, a, a center guard from Penn. How do I remember his jersey number? It's insane. Yeah, right. Absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I don't know. Evan, have you checked out Justin Watson yet? I have not. Um, I'm, you know, in that in that day three uh, mix right now where I'm looking at everybody on day three right now um, and up until the draft. I haven't seen him yet. I've heard some good things about him. What do you think about him? Well, I mean, he, he went to the Shrine game, and then this, he did well enough at the Shrine game that they had him go to the Senior Bowl. I haven't heard, like, a ton of buzz, but he was um, – I mean, basically, first of all, I saw him in the state championship game in Pennsylvania, and they played Imhotep Charter, which had, like, 12 D1 guys, including three D1 DBs, like, going to, like, Arizona State and all these places, and he totally, totally – embarrassed them i mean he lit them up then he went to penn caught at least two passes in every game 40 straight for four years and the last three years he was one of the two finalists for player of the year in the league and if you notice like harvard had 13 guys in nfl training camps last year like which is by far the most of any fcs school and i think the ivy league might end up having the most you know because they're with the financial aid packages now, they're getting some really, really good players. Um, and so the Ivy League is producing more. I mean, look at like Juszczyk and Cam Brate and, you know, Nick Easton. I mean, there's a lot of Ivy League guys starting now and, and playing at a high level and getting big second contracts, which I think is also why they're starting to get, um, you know, more teams are sending their scouts there and taking them very seriously. And this guy's the best – this guy's probably the best Ivy League player I've ever seen. Now, you know, he's like Evan, he's like 6'3. He's a good 6'3, 215. He runs well, like he's well. He actually reminds me of like Eric Decker. And I know people say, oh, it's the Ivy League. Dude, if, if you're the player of the year in the league three years in a row, like you are freaking. For, for multiple years, all everybody did was try to stop him, and they still couldn't, you know? And you always talk yep. about Evan like age and when guys are good right away. He was good from his first game. Like he really shouldn't even. I mean, he he should have gotten much bigger offers. I think that he didn't get them till after he committed to Penn and was like, nope, I'm I'm staying with Penn. So I'm excited about him. I'm excited to see where he lands. I I think if he lands in the right spot, he can have a really really good career. You, you just. 
I mean, there's other guys that have had, you know, Cam Brayton, these other guys use check. They didn't dominate the Ivy League like this guy did. I mean, he absolutely dominated. He's huge. He moves well. He's good run after the catch. He's feisty. I, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, to see where he lands. I'd be shocked. If he doesn't get drafted, something's wrong. I mean, I, I texted Phil Savage and said, you got, I mean, this guy's the best Ivy League guy in a long time. So I think maybe hopefully that helped him get into the senior bowl, but he's pretty, he's pretty awesome. I'm glad you mentioned that, Eric. We've never talked about that before. And now if Justin Watson ends up doing anything as a rookie, I can claim all the credit, really which smart. is what really matters. <laughs> Thanks. Hey, tell Dan I said hello, by the way. Absolutely. Will do. He'll be fired up to hear that. Thanks, Eric. Yep, thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good one. That'll do it for the Fantasy Feast Eaton podcast for this week. Really, really enjoyed talking with Eric Olson. That was awesome. Absolutely awesome. Yet another dude that Evan brings on the show that's clearly smarter than both Evan and I are. Hopefully you guys are smarter than we are, and you're smart enough to go check out the Even Money Podcast with Steve Fezzik, which we will post later today. Ross Tucker Football Podcast had a very smart guy, Andrew Brandt, on today to talk about Andrew Luck's shoulder and, and all kinds of things. Lamar Jackson not having an agent. And, of course, if you haven't been keeping up to date with all the draft stuff, Fran Duffy from the Eagles, their video scouting guru, has been killing it on the College Draft Podcast. And remember... If you want a free MFL giveaway, you like to play best ball, maybe you're like best ball Todd, the best ball guy. You like playing best ball, you like giving a shot, why not get a free entry? Just sign up over at uh, betonline.ag, use the code BIGFEAST so they know I sent you and forward it to me, Ross, at RossTucker.com, and you'll have a great chance to be the guy we announced next week is getting the free MFL 10 entry. Other than that, I'm totally stuffed I'm full and I'm ready to go give us five-star Apple podcast rankings because, well, frankly, I don't deserve it, but Evan does. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.